Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. I'm so excited to have Susan Knapp here of the Quilt Branch uh, website. Uh, Quilt Branch is, she does so many amazing, easy, fun, incredible designs and is super creative. So Susan, thank you for joining me and we're going to uh, catch up on what's new. Thanks, Pat. I'm glad to be here today. You know, tell me a little bit about your, a little bit about your backstory. Do you have a lot of quilters in your family? No, not really. Um, I did teach my mother to quilt. Oh. (laughs) I learned to sew from my mother in 4-H when I was 8, and uh, so I did garment sewing up until I was um, an adult kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but I took up quilting as an adult. But um, one of my fun things is is that I I remember making placemats for my sister when I was nine years old. Oh. And there was nothing accurate about them, but, boy, I was proud of them. (laughs) I must have been on this path and just didn't know it at that time. I know. Isn't that funny when you look back and you see that one thing that now it makes, like, sense? It's like, well, of course I made placemats. It's like... So yes, do you exactly? Do you remember your first quilt that you made? Actually, I do. It mm. was a giant dahlia, mm. and if you know what a giant dahlia yes. is, there isn't a right angle in it until you get to the outside edge. Yeah. And being a garment sewer, I was not so in tune with the accuracy needed for the quarter inch seam and the cutting and all of that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I still have that first quilt, and you could hide a baby under the middle of it if so. <laughs> yes. um, but, you know, it reminds me that we all start somewhere. <laughs> oh, we, we totally do. Have you ever made another giant dahlia? I have not. I have considered doing it again, or if people... Of course, people have even laughed about that one, saying, oh, it'll quilt out. And I'm like, right. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susan, when you started designing, uh, you know, for your own patterns, when you sort of got that creative bug to do that, um, what type of patterns did you start designing? Well, um, I had a business partner when I started, and we started doing um, finished goods. And... Mm. We discovered that we really liked the designing side of it more than just playing with the fabric. We loved the geometry and the, that that whole um, rush that comes with that part of designing a quilt. And so we decided to start designing our own uh, patterns at that point and started small with table runners and placemats and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, through the years, I've been at this for more than 22 years. Mm-hmm. Through the years, we've designed it all, <laughs> up to king-size quilts and queen-size quilts, baby quilts. We've got them all. So what are you most known for? I mean, everybody sort of has that thing when people, it's it's kind of like that thing that happens for every designer. What is it for you that people go like, oh, yeah, she's the one that does well, probably it's our six halves make a whole uh, series of books and patterns. Mm-hmm. Our local quilt shop was putting together half yard, uh, what she called bundles that were six at a time. And mm-hmm. she said, you need to design something for these. 
and that's been oh maybe 12 years ago mm-hmm. and um at first it was kind of hard to efficiently use just you know three yards of fabric but mm-hmm. i've become very efficient at it to the point <laughs> where it's really hard for me not to design in half yard increments you know, I think that's really interesting how we develop um, sort of a, a designing skill set, you know, like you know, like how to probably think that. I don't even know how to think that way, Susan. <laughs> well, and, and it truly, it, it took a while. And, of course, the, the name Six Halves Make a Whole was just, mm-hmm. it, that came to me before the process of, of using the fabric. <laughs> but I have a son who's an engineer, mm-hmm. and he laughs and says, Mom, Six Halves <laughs> does not make a whole. And I always say, not in your world, but it does in mine. Right. <laughs> and I've got about eh, 50 patterns to prove that. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. So, so yeah. So, because he's an engineer, like, do you also have like sort of that engineering brain? Do you like geometry? You said, and I, I do. That's I really think of myself kind of as a, a quilt technologist rather than um, an artist per se, and and I just love the geometry of figuring out how pieces can be cut up and put back together and and make interesting shapes and and that to me that's the part of designing that's just it's just so it's enthralling you know it just keeps me it keeps me thinking and thinking mm-hmm. you know what shape have you sort of um loved lately what is the you know like a unique shape like not like a square you know well I kind of put 45-degree angles in most of my quilts, mm. and uh, one of the shapes I really like is what I call the house shape, which is basically a square that has two adjoining corners cut off. Okay. Equally, so you get, mm-hmm. you know, so you get the roof and the body mm-hmm. of the house all mm-hmm. in one piece. And um, oh, back home, maybe 10 years ago, we were working with that shape and. Uh, we said, now there's got to be a way that we can easily cut this. And so in working with Creative Grids, we came out with what we call the house ruler because it has that shape. <laughs> but it's square on the bottom and has a roof on the top. Mm-hmm. And I use it to cut all my 45-degree angles. And so I don't have to have odd size uh, strips to cut half-square triangles and quarter-square triangles and and mm. you know there're just all kinds of ways that 45 degree angles fit together and so i i use the house ruler to cut all of my 45 degree angles that is so interesting do you have like a video on it i do have it actually creative grids is very good with that that they mm-hmm. have the videos on their site and mm-hmm. you can see them on my site as well um that uh you can go to Creative Grids USA or to quiltbranch.com mm-hmm. and click on the videos and so I show at least 10 different shapes that I can cut with the one ruler and all the ways all those things yeah. can fit back together so whether you're making flying geese or uh snowballs or mm-hmm. um Anything that takes a half-square triangle, all of those kinds of things can all be cut with one ruler. And so I basically am a, uh, cut my strips and then use my house ruler. Mm-hmm. So when when you use a rule, like a specialty tool like that, how do you recommend that a quilter get 
get their head around it because sometimes when they do a little bit of multi-purpose, it take it's not like you just put it down like a rectangle ruler. That's true. And um, I would say that it's it's like anything else. We have to take it in steps. And so mm-hmm. um, you might start with something that just takes half square triangles. Say you're doing a turn dash. Mm-hmm. And um, learn to cut those half square triangles and piece those together and get your squares and, and figure out, um, you know, the sizing and everything that goes with that. Now the... Uh, there's a full instruction sheet, and they laugh mm-hmm. at me and say that I have the the award for the longest instruction sheet because <laughs> this, because this tool does so much. Yeah, <laughs> and so I I think that people look at it and go, oh, that's way too much. Well, if you take it in steps mm-hmm. and and learn the half square, and then learn the quarter square, and then make flying geese, and, mm-hmm. and add in another uh, shape, whether it be a parallelogram or a trapezoid. Mm-hmm. Um, you add those in, and then pretty soon you're looking at quilts entirely differently because I said, you know, I can look at a variable star and say, oh, yeah, I know how to cut that, and then I can mm-hmm. look at uh, churn dash and go, oh, that's real simple to do this, and mm-hmm. and it's like anything else. A little bit of practice goes a long ways. You know, I think that that's a really excellent way to approach a new tool that has multiple purposes, is you just take almost like the, the one you sort of know already, right, Susan, like a half-square triangle, and then keep increasing your knowledge base and make a block, you know, just or, you know, play with it, but with purpose. That's true. And actually, I wrote a book that's called Six Halves Make a Whole Sampler, where mm-hmm. I take you through all of the steps, and you learn a new shape, and then you make two blocks. And then you okay. make, so in the end, you've learned the shapes, and mm-hmm. you've made a dozen blocks, and you have a quilt. Yeah. And it started from the six halves, which, of course, you know, brings me back to my other thought process. Right. <laughs> yeah, you it's a theme with you, Susan. Just a little bit. Just <laughs> well, you know, sometimes if if it's working for you, you just kinda keep going with it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's not a bad thing. Uh, so so I have a I have a question here. We have a, about a minute and a half. Um have you ever done like um you know, used your quilts in a super unique way or had a fun sort of project that you had to do maybe outside of your quilting? you know business part very early in my quilting state we decided that we should make a quilt for my parents mm-hmm. and so each of us applicate a block that told our story and then we applicate a block that was the uh, shape of our home our, that mm-hmm. we all grew up in mm-hmm. and um, so we made that quilt and when we were done with it it was a king size quilt and it was <laughs> the first quilt I ever quilted myself mm-hmm. and of course I did it on my domestic machine mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know I'm kind of thinking, I've learned a lot since then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so you can look back on that one right and uh, uh, take yes. a and <laughs> I still have that quilt so it's got lots of fun memories in it Oh my, that is, it is really fun to do some sort of a group project and with your family that's even better. It's got great, great memories. Real quick before we close up, do you travel to teach? 
Oh, yes, I love to travel and I love to teach, and so um, I love to to share my skills and and hope that uh, others get the bug, just like you and I have, that quilting is just so much fun, and it's it's such a good hobby to have. Yeah, it is an excellent hobby to have. It's uh, let your mind focus on something else and create something wonderful. So, Susan, thank you for being here. Well, I appreciate that you included me in in the um, podcast today, Pat. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. We'll be right back after the break. Visit Susan at Quilt Branch. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. A large picture easel can corral favorite rulers near your cutting area. Get six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and we are going to have a super fun two segments talking with Krista Hennebury. So Krista is with, uh, her website is Poppy Prince, so you've probably been following and seeing all her fun things. Krista, thank you for jumping on today to chat with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I always love chatting with you, Pat. I know, you know, Krista, I, I contacted you to, to join me again because I had been following your adventures. You have been <laughs> on the road all over the world. Uh, you know, what, tell me a little bit about what your year is like right now. Uh, well, right now it's kind of relaxing. Oh, you're <laughs> um, home. <laughs> it started. Yeah, I'm home now. Um, I'm taking a little break. Actually, it started out very exciting uh, with a trip to Japan in January, and that was um, not a work trip per se, but it was mm-hmm. a trip with my husband, uh, which was a sort of. Um, kind of like a 50th birthday present to myself and mm-hmm. uh, a ski trip present to himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we went on a, an amazing backcountry ski trip near Nagano, where the Olympics were held previously. And uh, and then it just so happened that the end of that ski trip coincided with day one of the Tokyo International Quilt Festival. Oh, exciting. <laughs> 
I saw yeah. that. And I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous of anybody that's gotten to go to that. It's just, uh, <laughs> well, was it, it great? Was definitely, it, it really was. It was definitely a bucket list item, and mm-hmm. I really, truly didn't think that I would make it there um, quite as soon as I as I did, mm-hmm. and. Um, it was something that I had always sort of looked at photographs and thought, I, mm-hmm. first of all, I can't imagine a quilt show of that magnitude well, that takes yeah. up an entire indoor soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> unbelievably <laughs> massive. And it even has a bigger impact because you enter the stadium high on the concourse level and look mm-hmm. down over all mm-hmm. the bleachers mm-hmm. to the, the bottom field area, which is absolutely 100% packed with quilts <laughs> and vendors. Yeah. That's the photo, Krista, that I think whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I really need to yeah. experience that. Did you get, like, goosebumps when you walked in? I would. Um, I was a little bit nervous. I have to uh-huh. say I got, I got a little bit sweaty because I think, yeah. oh, my gosh, how am I going to tackle this? And um, I hadn't done a ton of research before I went because, uh, you know, I was busy with Christmas and, and mm-hmm. my two kids were home from university. So just a few days before I left, I threw it out there on Instagram. Instagram and asked for advice of anyone mm-hmm. who'd been before, if anyone had just a top tip. And uh, a couple of pieces of advice um, were, were really great, which were to, you know, take water and pace yourself and bring a backpack to put your purchases in that you can carry and have two Sounds hands like free. Sounds like you're camping or taking like a yeah. marathon. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> bring a compass to navigate right. your way through all of, all of the booths. Um, but I will say that... If I was ever to, to go again, or if anyone mm-hmm. is planning on going, to go with a friend, because uh, if you don't speak or read Japanese, it can be slightly lonely experience. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to a quilt show and you see something amazing, it's really fun to share that with another person. You know, oh my gosh, look how small this, this applique is, or mm-hmm. look how incredible these hand stitches are. And the quilts there are so admiration worthy. I mean, the women in Japan spend many, many months uh, creating their pieces for this show. Mm-hmm. You know, many of them are hand-pieced, entire hand-pieced tops, mm-hmm. which then have hand applique on top of that and are yeah. then hand-quilted in a traditional uh, manner. Right. So I saw yeah. very few long-arm quilted quilts. Of course, in Japan, people live fairly small, so I, I imagine there's not a lot of long-arm opportunities just for space mm-hmm. restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, the other well, thing that- is that the signage is all in Japanese, so oh. it can be a little bit confusing and disorienting because you, first of all, if you're going to the shopping booths, you mm-hmm. don't really, you have to really stand back and sort of get a grip on what they're actually selling. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, what is in that booth, right? It's, yeah. Did, was yeah. there anything unusual that you saw, Krista? Well, I really enjoyed looking at a lot. There was a lot of vintage kimono fabric, mm. and I don't, I don't sew with that type of fabric, but it was beautiful to look at. And there was way more um, opportunity to buy finished garments with traditional Japanese fabrics, indigo dyed fabrics mm. and wovens. Um, you know, into, they were sewn into tunics or pajamas or aprons or um, kind of comfortable uh, pants. And uh, it was just fun to look at those things and see also to check out what all the quilters are wearing at the show. Yeah. And um, well, the Japanese ladies love I hadn't yep. thought about what they were wearing, so so you spotted a few interesting kind of outfits. Yeah, 
Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And people also very proudly um, wearing their, their handmade um, totes and handbags because very popular, um, as I'm sure you're aware, to mm-hmm. make very complicated um, little pieced bags. And there's even a bag competition in the show, which I didn't realize till I got oh. there. Oh, so would, mm-hmm. you know, one, you were only there for one day. Uh, if Correct. you, if you were to go back, Krista, would you, um, know that you needed three days or what would you, pay, what would you do for yourself if you could? Oh, I think I would definitely choose to go for two days and, and, mm-hmm. I say that because I, I feel like I did see most of the quilts in the show. Not mm. only is there the competition, but there's also several special exhibits, and there's also live demonstrations by um, the Japanese um, quilters. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I got glimpses of all the the big names, Yoko Sato mm-hmm. and um, Yoshiko Jinzenzi. You know, they're all there, and mm-hmm. it's cute to see the Japanese ladies fangirling over <laughs> over their famous quilters. You know, they mm-hmm. do the same thing we do. North America, yeah, <laughs> and lining up for autographs and that ter- that type of thing. But I think when I looked at other Instagram feeds of visitors to the show and I and I saw the quilts that they had photographed and shared, you know, I have that. Wait a second, I don't think I saw that quilt. Mm-hmm. I don't think I saw that one either. <laughs> so it's really a maze. There are just hundreds of things mm-hmm. to look at, and I think two days would have been great if I'd had the time. Yeah, that's it's, and I think like there's a lot of shows if they get to any size, right, Krista? That you just need more than a day because it's almost like when I go, I get a little overwhelmed at a big show the first day, mm-hmm. and, then, and then I need to know like, okay, I need to go back and do this, I need to go back to do that after I've decompressed. <laughs> yes, and I've never been to Houston Quilt Festival, but I imagine it feels similar because of yeah. the the amount of Merchant Mall mm-hmm. available. Um, you know. I kind of divided my time in and out between mm-hmm. the quilts that were kind of in the central area and then going along the fringes to see some of the merchants. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to go directly to dealers like Juki, which is a Japanese um, company, and Clover, which is Japanese, mm-hmm. and, you know, to be able to see what they're offering um, that I, you know, haven't seen in North America before. And the Tulip Needle people had a massive lineup. So, mm, wow. Um, you know, Neat. their needles are incredibly popular. Yeah, so that yeah. was fun. But you got to get your elbows out. I swear, <laughs> in Japan, people are very, very, um, they're very sensitive about personal space, and people are really careful, even on the very busy uh, trains and subways. You hardly ever get touched or bumped, even if it's mm. very busy. But I'm telling you, those quilt ladies, they had their elbows out. In the merchant area. <laughs> it was so busy. <laughs> it's my space. I'm looking. That's yeah. my turn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, let's change gears because um, yep. you then uh, were in Pasadena, California for QuiltCon and you were exhibiting. So congratulations to have a quilt in the show. Thank you. So yeah, what, that was... Um, my second visit to QuiltCon. My first one was in um, 2016 in mm-hmm. Austin, mm-hmm. and then, um, or maybe that was 2015. The first yeah, one, yeah, uh, second one. Okay. And then, um, and then I went this time down in, down to Pasadena. Yeah, it was great. I'd never been to LA before, so I made sure that I had extra days to do some touristy things. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. What do you think of LA compared to? Uh, the cities in Japan. I mean, it's way different, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, I was in Japan in wintertime, first of all. Oh, and, that's true. Um, Pasadena was a little bit warmer, although cooler than everyone expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
very different um, transit-wise. In Japan, we were up and down escalators all day on the subway system. Um, and in L.A., I sat in cars in traffic jams. <laughs> I tried to go places. But yeah. I, I visited the Getty, which was super impressive and absolutely beautiful. And I mm. got to walk from the Santa Monica Pier down to Venice Beach. So that was really fun oh, um, cool. to get to the beach one day. Mm-hmm. So what did you what did you like about the show the QuiltCon the, that that size show because you're now experiencing like huge variations in size of shows yeah, well, QuiltCon is definitely smaller than the Tokyo International Quilt mm-hmm. Festival, but the difference is, of course, that all the quilts you're there to see are all modern. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it was just, it's an opportunity to really focus on the, the modern scene and sort of check out all the different modern aesthetics that people are, are using in their quilts. And um, in Japan, I spent a lot of time admiring technique and mm-hmm. really being awed by the amount of time and care uh, people were putting into their quilts. And in Pasadena, I think I was learning more and studying more about the design work, um, the aesthetics that, you know, I'm still myself um, experimenting with and learning. And one of the biggest things I'm still trying to come to grips with in modern quilting is minimalism. So I was definitely Mm -hmm. very interested to have a close look at the minimal category. That, did you have a particular, um, did you take any classes or we have about a minute here. You know, did you do something besides just look at the quilts? Um, I went to some lectures this year. I didn't okay. book in any full day classes just for time constraints. Mm-hmm. And I also unfortunately left my registration a little late. So the classes I would have been interested in sold out very quickly. You're right. Yeah, they do have um, that. It's it's the Modern Guild show, for those of you who don't know what QuiltCon is. And so every, members of the Modern Quilt Guild, because it's a very specific show, it's it's very much like a guild show when I went to it. That's the feeling I got. Um, so yeah. things do so fill up guild quickly. With, with yeah, all over the world. Guild with four, yeah, 14,000 or 15,000 members. So right. pretty big. Yeah, but I always felt like it had that same sort of vibe as the local guilds tend to have, where people sort of know each other, even if from online. So did you run into a couple friends? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very friendly environment, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one uh, really fun aspect of that show because it's a little bit smaller. You can find people that you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so Krista, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and then you're going to uh, rejoin me again for another segment, okay. and we're going to talk about uh, one of the other uh, shows that you've you've been to, more than one. So we're going to okay. take a break. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. When machine appliqueing a light color applique shape to a light background, it can be challenging to see the applique edges. To make it easier, after fusing a shape in place, trace around it with a washable fabric marker. Hi, I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, 
homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcases. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. I'm talking to Krista Hannabury of Poppy Print. So, Krista, after you did these two big shows, you then uh, took off for another country. So tell I me did. about the, I know. It's like I'm, like, watching you and going, oh, my goodness. Where is she now? That's like... <laughs> I like to keep people guessing. Uh, my well, my most recent trip was um, a teaching tour in Scotland and England, mm-hmm. so that was fantastic for me. I'd only ever been to London uh, before, so it was really exciting to go and meet quilters um, in four or five different locations in the UK. That's a lot. Were you staying with um, anybody? In, did you have like a main host for this, or were you sort of bouncing between? Uh, well, my first little while, um, I was in Edinburgh, and I stayed with Joe Avery mm. and uh, of My Bear Paw. And Joe and I met a couple of years ago. Um, well, we met several years ago in London at a Fat Quarterly Retreat, and then we met mm. again at QuiltCon. And then simply by random accident, we ended up teaching together in Sweden a couple of years ago. Oh. And we didn't really know we would both be there until about a week before. Yeah. And so... Um, We've, even though we live, you know, half a world away, we've gotten to see each other several times and become quite good friends. So it's lovely to stay with Joe on her, um, her little acreage outside of Edinburgh for five nights. And she has an actual storefront too. Were you teaching for she, her? Yes, I taught one day at her shop and then okay. I taught a second day for the Edinburgh Modern Quilt Guild. Oh, what did you teach? Um, mostly on that trip, I taught my round peg square hole quilt, which is a log cabin variation. And that's kind of an accuracy tuning up technique class. Mm-hmm. And then the other class that's been quite popular, I've taught a lot lately, is my speed date with improv, which is um, a <laughs> really fun class of um, seven different improv piecing techniques that we do in a timed, like sort of timed um, piecing drills. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like fun. I would like that. I like those things it's where you really have fun. a deadline, you know, like, okay, stop. Now yeah. we're going to the next thing. It's great because, and one of my students actually brought it up to me that she said she liked how democratic the class was. And what she meant is that everybody progresses together. There isn't mm-hmm. an opera. I give out instructions in, um, in a, in a sort of step by step way for each different technique. So everyone progresses at the same rate. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you go to class and there's that real speedy person that makes mm-hmm. you feel a little bit like, oh my gosh, how I'm come behind. I can't, you work, right. Yeah. 
And so this class is really fun because we kind of all do it together. And, mm. you know, everyone, um, it's the kind of class where everyone has a chance for success, which I really love. Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Everybody has a chance for success. You know, it's, it is hard because some people slow, so at a slower pace. That's just the mm-hmm. way they enjoy to work. Um, and so if you're doing it bite size, that makes it more doable, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. All right, so when you left Joe, where did you go then? Well, from there, um, I took a nice train ride, and I went to a place um, called Slowit, which is near Huddersfield, which is kind of in between Leeds and Manchester, and I taught at the, a shop called Simply Solids, which is owned by Justine and Lisa, and um, I had met Justine at QuiltCon, and I can't remember if I met her in London five years ago or not, but... Um, I taught two days for them, and we did a class there called Structural Improv, and I got to stay in a beautiful B&B, which is right behind the shop on a little canal, and um, I was kind of imagining myself. I watched all these Netflix British crime dramas, so I was kind of imagining myself in my own little happy valley, although it was much safer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, no. oh, we want to have no one for years to come, Krista. That's, yeah, yeah. No, I I went for a little sort of walk run on the on the canal at seven o'clock one morning, and I thought, "Is this safe? Like I'm kind of out here by myself. Nobody knows right. where I am. Right. <laughs> Everything was fine." <laughs> oh, so what is one thing that stuck out to you when you were teaching over there? You know, did you get to go into any other shops? Did you see a show? I didn't go to any of the shows, and um, I did visit another shop in London. But I think, like, honestly, if I have to think of one thing that sticks out, it's how much tea they drink. Oh. You know, <laughs> literally every 30 minutes in class, we had a tea break, and I ate so much cake. Honestly, they were so kind. <laughs> every Everyone brought cakes to all the classes, and everyone's very friendly. And I enjoyed that. I believe their vibe there is pretty relaxed. You know, mm-hmm. everyone seemed very social in the classes, mm-hmm. and um, I could really tell that they were there for a fun day with their their guildmates or their you know their friends they knew that were taking mm-hmm. classes with them at, at a shop. Yeah, it was really nice. So, was it hard for you to coordinate hitting that many places in another country? Because I do it here sometimes, but it can be messy to coordinate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm an organizer by nature, so mm. um, it was all kicked off uh, by a lovely friend, again, someone I'd met five years ago in London, who asked if I would come and, and teach my round peg square hole quilt, and I said, yeah, sure, and then uh, Penny kindly hooked me up with a bunch of guild leaders, and um, and I contacted Joe, and it all kind of fell together. I, we started planning it back in, um, I think, September, October, last fall, mm. and once I had all of the guilds that were interested and I sort of got the map out and looked at a natural sort of north to south progression, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to sort of work it all out. Yeah, it wasn't that difficult. Wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, it helps when you're an organizer and a planner, like as a personality thing, because then it's just easy for you to figure it out. So that's good. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so you also have coming up, I wanted you to, to share, you know, like your year is very full of shows because uh, when you go, when you now that you're home in Canada, you have a whole lot of things going on there as well. 
I do. So I'm a member of three guilds. Um, one is our national guild. The <laughs> of Canadian course Culture you are. Association. <laughs> of course I am. Three guilds. So the national, yeah, well, the national one, you know, doesn't have any regular meetings. So that's, mm. there's no monthly commitment. So that's yeah, good. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then my longtime, um, best guild is my Lionsgate Quilters Guild, which my, I would refer to as my traditional guild. I've been a member there, um, for over 15 years. And then I'm a member of the Vancouver Modern Quilters Guild. And, all three are having shows starting at the end of this month. So it just so happens the National Guild show is in Vancouver for the first time in many years. And I'm very excited because I, I have a quilt that was juried into that show. And then the following weekend is my traditional guild's biannual show. Mm-hmm. And then the last weekend of August, I coordinate um, the Vancouver Modern Guild show. And that's wow. really exciting because this will be our second um our second show and our first one was a massive success, so we're really, really excited to share our modern quilts again. Oh, that is wonderful. How many days is your modern quilt show? Is it like a two, a three, a four? Um, it's two days. It's a Saturday, Sunday, and we do it a little differently than a lot of quilt shows. We um, exhibit our quilts in an, a semi-industrial space. It's a restored shipbuilding warehouse right on hmm. the harbor in oh, North neat. Vancouver. Yeah, it's beautiful, and we decided to go with sort of an industrial theme, which we think really um, enhances our quilts, and so Mm -hmm. we we do pipe but no drape, and Mm. it looks really cool, and it allows us to show off the backs of many quilts because, Mm -hmm. you know, modern quilters tend to like piecing their backs and doing fun things Mm -hmm. there, so um, we don't have a whole ton of space, so we have no vendors, and so it's, it's sort of takes the pressure off the shopping scene and it's just mm-hmm. you're just there to enjoy the quilts without a distraction mm-hmm. and it was we got a lot of positive feedback on that from our last show so we're doing the same format again oh that is really interesting i have um haven't been to too many shows where there's no vendors there's usually even small shows would be like one or two do you have classes mm-hmm. or demos or something like that no, we don't, but we do have a, what we did last time to engage the public because it was the first time there was ever a dedicated modern show in Vancouver two years mm-hmm. ago. And so we decided we would try to use our show not only to share our work but to help educate the public on what modern mm-hmm. quilting looks like. Mm-hmm. And so we had a community event, which was really popular, so much so that we're going to repeat it. Um, I, I believe that's what the coordinator has decided to do. So we had... Um, cardstock paper and solid fabric cut into small geometric shapes and mm-hmm. glue sticks and we invited our guests to sit down and create a modern quilt with fabric scraps on this piece of paper and an unexpected result of that was that a lot of people wanted to display their little work and we there's oh. these steel girder beams and mm-hmm. so we ended up if they didn't take it home taping their little masterpieces um mm-hmm. so they became part of our show which oh, was neat. a super cool yeah, a really cool result that we hadn't expected. Oh, that is pretty fun. That uh, I like when you have when a, a, a group will have something that's just out of the ordinary because it just makes it much more exciting and interactive. Is so fun. Well, it helped with families. You know, the kids, um, we didn't use it as a babysitting service, of course, no. but a lot of um, partners and, and children really found that enjoyable. And, and even my young adult son and his friends sat down and all made a paper <laughs> quilt. So that was pretty exciting <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, we won't touch anything at home, right? But, no, go to the show. And, uh... Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, you know, this is, I just can't believe all the stuff you're doing. How did you balance, like, your other life with knowing you were going to have all these big events 
Well, both my kids are away at university, and so I have less um, mom taxi obligations here mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, my personal sewing has taken a back seat these last few months. So mm-hmm. now I'm on a teaching break um, until the fall, and so I'm going to focus. I have a couple quilt ideas I need to get out of my system, so now I mm-hmm. have time to devote to that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, my husband works full-time, and he's he's an active outdoor dude, so he's busy doing his mm-hmm. own thing sometimes on the weekends. And, um, you know, we both of us love to travel, so he's very excited for me that I have these opportunities. And, um, you know, it's nice to have a little break once in a while and go off and do your own thing. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's been good. It's it's interesting. I do the same thing when I come back. I think that you know you said you had things you had to get out of your head to sew because when you're out there and you're you're working, you can't really stop and cre- be creative. But it all kind of wells up inside, doesn't it? I totally agree. And when you're off on teaching trips, you know, I think a lot of your creativity goes into um, sharing with people and giving that away to people. And so I think it's important to come home and regroup and and focus on your own creativity once again, because, you know, we tend to teach a lot of the same workshops. And so we're revisiting the same concepts over and over and over. So it's nice to take a break and um, think of new things and, and work on your own ideas for yourself. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I have just a here at the end. I have one last uh, sort sort of question for you. Um, we uh, Jane Davidson and I have a big project, a second splendid sampler two, and we invited you to um, be one of our guest designers. What did you think when we emailed you? Oh, thanks, first of all. Yeah. I, I'm going to be totally honest, and the first thing I thought of was, oh, I'm not really a block designer. What can I do? <laughs> and, um, but I was, I really wanted to participate because so many of my friends um, have done and had such a fun time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was definitely thrilled. I love being part of big things. I love being mm-hmm. part of community events and guilds. And, you know, um, when I did a closing book, it was a collaborative book because I wanted my friends to be involved and so I think I was just really happy to be part of something bigger you know so I really mm-hmm. appreciate the invitation well you aren't the only one who went like ah what am I going to do I had uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of them even told us we're like ah we had to you know, talk people off the ledge and uh, <laughs> then we're like no no you're okay it's just one block you can do it it's only six inches yeah right it's only a little six inch block and uh, and there's a, a just like book one, we have sort of a theme and a story that each of you um, used to inspire what you were doing so that that will be running through the whole 100 blocks is that same sort of um, kicking off point. And it's amazing how everybody interprets that. That's really fun to see, Krista. Well, it's a great theme, I thought, you know, living your best life through quilting. Um, you know, I think that's what most of us strive mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And so definitely um, I, I found that inspiring, and I, I thought along, long and hard about it, actually, and how I was going to yeah. work that into my blog. Well, I appreciate uh, you joining us on that and for you being here today. Thank you very much, Pat. Everybody can visit Krista at her website, uh, poppyprintcreates.blogspot.ca or poppyprint at Instagram. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm.
quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. You can save small pieces of your quilt fabric behind the label. This way, if a repair needs to be made, fabrics that have been washed the same number of times as the quilt are available. We know our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. When I saw one of Shannon Brinkley's quilts, it, they have a lot of applique, and I started looking at it a little bit closer, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this is so interesting. What is that? Is that, like, fabric that looks like that, or is she colli- you know, what is she doing? So I am very happy that Shannon's able to uh, come on the show now and tell me about about her scrappy applique. Thanks for being here, Shannon. Yes, thank you for having me. You know, do you just make quilts or do you love, are you like a maker and you play with all kinds of different techniques? I mean, I've been, I've been a maker since I was very young. I did embroidery and knitting and uh, paper collaging and just anything I can get my hands on, I was, I was making things. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I find that that theme runs through a lot of people that we, you know, like I made shoebox dioramas, you know, like <laughs> who who does that? You know, I'm like, I had to make things. Yeah. So when you started um, working with quilts, was it, was it love at first, you know, stitch or did it take a little while to warm up to quilts? Oh, it was love at first stitch. I was yeah. delighted when I was first starting uh, I was just struck by all of the possibilities, all the things, the things that I could make, and that was just, I think, what was most thrilling. You know, what was the first quilt that you made? I was uh, studying elementary education in college and was in a children's literature class, which, you know, where oh. most of our <laughs> stories yeah. of quilting. <laughs> we were assigned yeah. to create a timeline of children's literature. And I decided for some reason that I still cannot remember that I wanted to create a quilted timeline of children's literature. And that was, you know, way above and beyond what I needed to do for the project. But I got a 100 and and that was my first, that was my first quilt. And it really just opened up this whole world. And shortly after that, I went with my mother to the International Quilt Festival in Houston and just Mm -hmm. fell completely in love with the craft and in love with raw edge applique in particular. You know, I just think that's fascinating. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just do this quilt as my school project. I mean, you know, that you can really tell you're someone who makes things because that's how we think. You know, it's yes. 
Yes, I never, I never tried this before. Why not? <laughs> right. right. So when I first saw your quilts, I mean, I love your map quilt. I think that might be mm-hmm. my personal favorite uh, because I'm just really drawn to how that looks. But, you know, I when I really did look at it the first time, I thought, oh, she's got this really cool fabric. And I'm like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. That's not like mm-hmm. one piece of fabric she's using. Tell me a little bit about how you started working with Scrappy Applique and what it is. Yeah, so Scrappy Applique is a raw edge applique technique uh, where you are collaging fabric to create your applique piece. So then mm-hmm. you end up with this really neat texture, like you were mentioning, within your applique piece. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really uh, quick and simple to pick up, yet then allows for a lot of you know, creative possibilities. So you start by putting fusible web on the back of all of your collage fabric, mm-hmm. and then you cut it down into your little pieces, and then you collage your applique piece, and then cut out, you know, fuse that all down and cut out your finished piece. And then there's a ton of different finishing options, ranging from real quick and easy to, you know, a bit more intricate. So this is full fusible. Do you have a particular product that you like since you're layering? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so since I am layering, I like to use a really lightweight fusible. So I'll use uh, Misty Fuse is my favorite because it okay. has a really nice strong bond, but it's super lightweight. Right. Yeah, because when you have uh, more and more of it, it's um, it's important for it to be sort of pliable because you're gonna you're eventually gonna stitch through it, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I like for my applique piece to feel as much like the rest of the quilt as possible. Right. So is this um, is this something that basically beginners can do, like if they've never really done regular applique? Is it easy to jump in and start with this? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's super quick. Once you kind of figure out how the technique works, it's really mm-hmm. easy to begin with. Um, so I think that, you know, it draws beginners in because it's approachable. But then experienced quilters, you know, enjoy it as well because it's different and great way to, you know, fun and great way to use up those fabric scraps. We all have laying around, and I even have a beginner, um, an intro to applique class on my website. Uh, mm. It's a free, you know, downloadable class that they can get, and they can find it just at the bottom of the homepage on my website. Okay. Oh, that's that's nifty. Yeah, that's nice because it's it's fun to try something first, just like a little project. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you're Give me a few tips because one of the things I found about your work is that the colors are very cohesive. So that's why when I first like the zebra is a good example. Your zebra is looks very aqua with a little specks of gold. But so how do you pull together the fabrics to do something to give that look? Yeah. So I I write a lot of articles about color and how to pull together your own color palette. Um, mm-hmm. So those are all on my blog. I have so. For, for that one in particular, I'll start with one color. So I'll start like with aqua and then I might mm-hmm. bring in some other, you know, fabrics, some other colors next to aqua on the color, pa- on the color wheel. Um, mm-hmm. and then for like a little pop of color, I might kind of jump across the color wheel to add a little bit, a little bit of contrast. Um, mm-hmm. but the fabrics that, the types of prints that work really well in my collage and that I'm really drawn to are those kind of monochromatic prints those prints mm-hmm. that are that read as mostly one color. So I'll choose a bunch of those that, with different, you know, shades and tones and, you know, darks and lights, um, and then collage all that together. And then that's what it, what I like to do to get that kind of mosaic uh, stained glass kind of 
texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's really effective when the coloration is so, you know, they're all sort of the same shades but different prints. Do you ever pop in, like, bigger scale prints? I do, yeah. I, I definitely play with the scale. I'll throw in some larger scale prints, and then a lot of, you know, smaller scale prints work really well, too. I might do mostly small to medium scale prints and then throw in, like, one large scale print in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're more, they tend to be a little bit smaller than for, for majority of them. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, you know, I love your skylines. Oh, my gosh. How did that idea come about? You, How many of them do you have? <laughs> so I have, you know, I have only, I, have, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 that are printed, but then mm-hmm. I have over 100 different city skylines as digital patterns. So mm-hmm. I, I'm always looking, what, looking for interesting silhouettes. I'm really drawn to a striking and interesting silhouette that I can fill with that really pretty mosaic texture. I'm all about texture and simple but striking silhouettes. Mm-hmm. So then a city skyline was just, you know, a perfect, a perfect way to, to do that. What was the first one you did? The first one was Austin, since I'm an Austinite. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I jumped into, you know, some of the other big U.S. city ones and, um, and Paris and, it, it's just really, really fun to, to, you know, bring, to take, take that city, that sense of home or, you know, travel and then to mm-hmm. throw, you know, throw some lovely fabric into it. Well, your New York City is stunning with, uh, the Statue of Liberty. How do you deal with those edges, like the little pointy edges? I'm in, I, my city is Washington DC, so I see you have that one too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, I like to finish my applique edges, the outside edge, with mm-hmm. um, with a satin stitch, and so for for listeners who aren't familiar, satin stitch is just a really dense zigzag stitch. And mine, I keep pretty narrow. My width is like a, a two point five to two point seven width, and mm-hmm. pretty dense. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just a nice outline uh, for my applique piece. And um, in uh, in that applique class, that intro to applique class, I was telling you mm-hmm. about this on my website. I have a great. Um, satin stitching tutorial that gives you lots of pro tips to make a really tidy uh, satin mm-hmm. stitch that can just really outline your, your piece nicely. Yeah, because it's important to do a few specific things. Otherwise, it kind of just looks like a bad uh, zigzag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like little points, for example, points and corners. I like to, when I get up to that point, I'll raise and lower my needle manually so that I know it's starting exactly where I want it to before, you know, going off in the new direction. Um, with pointy points, I might taper my stitch by decreasing the width as I'm going up to the top of a point um, and then increase it as I'm going back down. So there's little things like that that you can do to get a really nice, tidy stitch, which is important when you're doing really detailed work, not so much if you're doing just some big, you know, a big, chunky applique piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, I do a lot of softer applique shapes myself, so I don't mm-hmm. run into those, as much of the pointy things, but they're just fabulous when they're done well. I, d- I love the skylines. They're so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, they're lots of fun. Okay, so you have some new things that are going to be happening, uh, uh, a fabric line. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. So the fabric collection is called Mosaic. And it's coming out with Andover. 
Uh, and so it'll be sipping in July, and I've already gotten to start sewing with some of the, the strike-offs, and it, I'm just so pleased with how it's turned out, um, and I'm really excited to see, you know, what, when people get their hands on it to see what they make. So when you went about designing this, we have about two minutes or so here. Tell me the process that you did to, to come up with the drawings in your first line. Yeah, so I wanted to de- design it in such a way that it would lend itself really well to scrappy okay? Um because that's what I that's what I like to do. So I I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of monochromatic prints in there, um, fabrics that read is mostly you know one color, and then I'll have I have a few in there that have some pretty pops of color as well. Um, I you know at one print in there in particular that is that looks like this mosaic tile that mm. is used then as a standalone fabric for the, for in an applique piece and kind of still has the look of that that scrappy applique. So what kind of colors did you decide on for this collection? Yeah, we have lots of blues and aquas in there. There's a, a really cool colorway that, you know, I, I love blues. So lots of blues and aquas with pops of coral. And then there's another, a warm colorway that has lots of pinks and corals and oranges in there, um, pops of gold and, um, and like a jade green. And then I have an entirely neutral colorway that's really low volume, really soft. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited about incorporating those as well. Yeah. Oh, it just sounds. It sounds like it's perfect for the type of work that you're doing too. I mean, you really uh, had that as your goal, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make something, I want to be able to. You know, I want it to be exactly what what I'm gonna want to to sew with. So I've been sharing sharing some little sneak peeks on social media and mm-hmm. you can see the whole collection at andover.com. Yeah, very fun. So, uh, do you travel to teach? I do. I travel all over. I'll be in Las Vegas in a couple of days, and was just in mm-hmm. Canada last weekend. So, lots of traveling that I, yeah, I, I love. I love teaching. So, when you travel, do you? Uh, this is what you're teaching, right? Is from your because um, you also have a book on this, so people mm-hmm, can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My book is Scrappy Bits Applique, and I teach mm-hmm. Scrappy Applique. That's what I teach most. The most. Mm-hmm. And then I've also been teaching a lot of workshops and doing lectures on color as well. Mm. Yeah. So cool. Well, Shannon, this has been just wonderful. I'm so excited for you, for your new fabric, and your work is gorgeous. You're so sweet. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. It's been a, a total pleasure. Thank you, Shannon. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and you can visit me online at uh, patsloan.com and come to Facebook for my Quilt Along with Pat Sloan group. And we will uh, be back with a new show next week. all and thanks for listening if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week